This is the Mayor Greg Fisher Podcast. I'm Graham Shelton. I work in the Mayor's office, and I'm joined by the 50th Mayor of Louisville, Greg Fisher. Mayor. Happy holidays, Graham. Thank you. Now, before we discuss, you know, meaty civic matters, I do want to ask, um, so what are you doing New Year's Eve? I celebrate New Year's Eve at 7 o'clock at Molly Malone's on Barstown Road because at 7 o'clock it is midnight in Dublin, Ireland. And so I am Irish and German, so the Hallahan part of my family gets together. And so I'm done with New Year's Eve about 7.30 p.m. <laughs> it's like really great. That's, that's the, really efficient. Yeah, then we'll go home and, uh, you know, you can kind of celebrate it every hour depending on what part of the world it is too. So, you know, I'm not one for like going out late to these wild parties. I, I've never really seen the magic of the moment happen. You remember how like when you were young and it was the first time you were able to go out for New Year's and yeah. you know, I always thought like yeah. my world was going to be shaken in yeah. some kind of way and it just never happened. So <laughs> I just kind of take it as it comes right now. Yeah. Um. Do you go around and visit places on New Year's Eve, places where, you know, police officers and other folks are working 24-7-365? Yeah, during the holidays, you know, I, I, I'll i visit our, our jail. Uh, I'm going to our youth detention center later uh, tonight as well. Uh, for folks that are often inside in our public services, to thank them for the work that they do. I'll be at a bunch of homeless shelters also. So just folks that are working while everybody's out uh, kind of enjoying the holidays. I make it a point to stop by and say thank you. Great. Um, you know, so at this sort of the end of one year, beginning of another, we're going to look ahead to 2018 in a little bit. But first, let's talk about 2017 uh, as we as we wind down. What do you think were the the pivotal moments in the year? What were the defining moments of 2017 for you? Well, there were local moments and national moments as well. Obviously, we have the new presidential administration this year that has really uh, – shook in the country up in many different ways. And one of the first things uh, that we did in the city was at the end of January was to hold a rally for American values, uh, we called that. And it was to support, show the city support for our global population, our immigrants and refugees here in the city. Uh, we put it together in three days just as a response to kind of the, some of the divisiveness that we were seeing in the country. And it the response was so gratifying. You know, it overwhelmed the plaza at the Muhammad Ali Center and the crowd went up 6th Street probably eight to 10,000 people there coming together in this really positive force and energy and saying we're proud to be a global city and we want to make sure that our immigrants uh, feel supported here so that was an incredibly unifying way to start the year. And where is that now that that energy and the, you know, the city's focus and concern on that issue? Um, well, you know, last night I just met with uh, seven dreamers, uh, young folks that had come out of the shadows at the invitation of the federal government, the White House. Uh, they're all in school, college. Uh, one young man's pursuing a Ph.D. Uh, another uh, young woman is, uh, has a good job. Uh, many of them have been in their country, our country, even though they're 20 to 24, like 15, 18 years. So it's the only place that they've known. So this is going to be uh, uh, this is going to be an issue that I hope Congress settles here early in the year. What we're going to do with our dreamers in terms of making sure that they are in the country uh, legally. They were bo- just happened to be born here. Their parents were here. They're really the future of our country. There's 800,000 dreamers. 90 plus percent of them are working, are in school. So I think it's a real uh, opportunity for our country to con- affirm the values that we hold dear here as a country of immigrants. So. Uh, we'll keep uh, pursuing that, 
uh, will always be a welcoming city. Uh, when I talk to our international communities, I ask them to invite their friends and relatives to move to Louisville because most of our population growth is happening because of our international community. And of course, if you're not a global city in today's world, you're just not going to be competitive from an economic standpoint or your ability to navigate throughout the world and, and operate in this global economy we have. Let's talk about that for a minute. What were the, what were the big economic stories, big economic developments uh, the past year? We've just been on an incredible run here in our city in terms of uh, job growth. Over 70,000 jobs created in the community in the last several years. And when you look around Louisville right now, we're going through a renaissance like we've never had before. $12.5 billion of construction either announced or underway, affecting all parts of the city as well. About $800 million going into West Louisville. Uh, 25 new hotels under construction. Record levels of education attainment. We had 10,000 people work themselves into the middle class. Uh, so there's a lot of really positive momentum. The big challenge, of course, is to make sure that everybody feels like they're part of this surge in the economy. And so we work on growing the big pie, but making sure that everybody feels like they're part of the progress as well. What are some of the things that you can do to make that happen? Well, one, obviously, is keep focusing on our economic development strategy so that we're a place that's uh, easy to do business in. We want to increase the talent level that we have in the city, making sure that we're tied into what our employers need and make sure our career pathway starting in our high school and our training ties into what the needs of the workplace are. And then number, uh, the third issue is just making sure that there's training programs for folks that are not in school so that they can participate in the economy. Code Louisville is a great example. Kentuckiana Builds is another example of that. So a focus on, uh, on workplace, but then also making sure that the environment for our city is one that a forward-looking city has. So a city that is global, a city that is LGBTQ uh, friendly, a city that's environmentally sustainable and focusing on our resilience. These are all issues that companies tell us that are important to them. Not only do we believe they're important, but growing companies and companies we're attracting to our city say they have to have those in a city to locate there. So what are some of the things you're the proudest of from the past year? You know, we've been working on getting Google Fiber in our city for years now, and I think people realize it takes four or five years to get something like that done. Uh, so when they named us, I think we were their 11th city in the country to have Google Fiber. I mean, that sent a big signal to the rest of the world on we're a city on the move and deserve our reputation as one of the most innovative cities in America. All the things we're doing with fiber to make sure that everybody has high-speed internet is really important, not just for individual families, but for business development as well. And when we think about the $12 billion of investment taking place in Louisville, the specific focus on West Louisville and how people see that coming together of $800 million, the developments along 18th and Broadway with Passport on the west side, the Y, on the east side and the bus rapid transit line up and down 18th street there and big project of course is the beecher terrace uh, vision russell 250 to 300 million dollar uh, redo of the communities a mixed income mixed use community uh, so those are just some of the things that are going on that i think people can look around and say the city is changing literally right in front of our eyes not just our buildings but our people and our capacity to compete globally so that means more opportunity for our citizens. And at the end of the day, I think that's what the purpose of a city is. In 2017, you made a point to talk 
you know, at, at, at length and often about, about race, about equity, about poverty, uh, to talk about also about our city's history, you know, related to those subjects and how that impacts us today. Tell me about what it was that went into your decision to, to bring that to the forefront of things you were talking about as mayor. Well, we've never quite gone through a year like this in the country with uh, an administration in D.C. that has really been divisive in many different ways. Uh, we've never seen a Charlottesville in probably since the civil rights in terms of kind of seeing that underbelly, underbelly of white nationalism in our country. We've seen uh, unprecedented attempts here in our recent history to deport people to kind of divide who we are. So I just strongly believe the strength of our city, the strength of our country is it's a diverse nation that has figured out how people of many different faiths and origins can live together. The economic advantage that gives us from our ability to be more creative than other countries, to be more productive than other countries, to be more interesting than other countries is something that I believe that we should be building on. So in an attempt to just kind of accentuate that, it's the reason why I lean into these issues about uh, race and equity, uh, xenophobia, so that people understand our strength is our diversity. It's not just being all the same, because when you bring diverse opinions and diverse skills to the table and solve problems, those will always beat groups of people that all think the same. So it's a, ma it's a matter of economic viability and I think it just makes our city much more interesting as well. So my job is to help kind of break down some of those barriers to the conversation so people get more comfortable. And when they do, what they find out is that we're all just human beings. We might have different skin colors or languages, but those are very secondary to just our principal desires to take care of our families and move forward in life. One of the things you've said when you've talked about, you know, especially our history with race, is that people today... That there is a tendency on the part of some people, especially white folks, to be defensive about that, to feel like implicated or, or guilty about that. And one of the things you've said is that, no, that's not how, that's not a response anybody needs to have now. No, that's right. So when you, you touch into these issues like uh, race and racism or uh, uh, nationalism, people kind of instinctively feel like, well, wait a minute, are you questioning me on this issue? of uh, racism and in particular of slavery and the Civil War. We've had a lot of disputes around the country around uh, Confederacy monuments, etc. cetera. Uh, we've got to think back of why are they there? When were they put up there? You know, why were they put up there? And when you go through our history books, we have not done a good job in the United States of America, you know, fully explaining what slavery was, you know, buying, selling, breeding of people to build an economy around. And when I say that, frankly, it's white people get a little squeamish about it. And I say, hold on a second. None of you were alive when this took place. None of you own slaves. So we've got to understand our history, and we've got to own our present, and we've got to be specific about where we're going in the future because what we do know, if we believe in the values of our country, liberty and justice, opportunity for all, not just some people, I believe that when all have those opportunities, we're stronger together. So opening the doors to that conversation has been really interesting this past year, and I've been really gratified to see people enter the conversation. Uh, some folks, uh, white folks in particular, are a little defensive. But then, let's say, when we're talking about the second time, I almost always get, you know, I've been thinking about that, and I never really thought about it that way before, so here's what my perspective is on it. So it's not 
an issue of saying anybody's better than anybody else or you should feel guilty about uh, the past. It's like, what are we going to do to move forward here so we're more equitable society for everybody? And that's a win-win. We got to get away from this notion that it's win-lose, that, you know, if somebody else is doing better, that means you're doing worse. No. When everything's growing, everybody does better. One of the recurring issues of the last year has been crime, public safety, and homicides, specifically within that. In July, you launched the action plan, the Violence Prevention Action Plan. Talk a little about where those efforts stand right now. Yes, uh, public safety is always going to be the top priority of any uh, elected official or mayor in particular. That's where the majority of our budget goes as well. Uh, but times change. Uh, it's been uh, very noticeable in the last several years, especially in this part of the country, the increased use of opioids, the, the increases in homicides, not just in our city, but um, two-thirds of American cities right now. So you have to ask why and what's going on. But as it relates specifically to our city, uh, my issue is, is if we have a challenge, then the question is, what's the plan? We're always going to have challenges. But is our plan effective? Uh, are our people operating effectively? Are our values uh, in a good place? And are citizens being involved in helping us as well? So that's what led to the violence reduction work plan, uh, six-part plan, everything from intervention to reentry. That's what led to our people and places strategy. And by that, I mean a focus on the most violent criminals that we have in our city and working with federal partners like the FBI, DEA, ATF to uh, identify them when they're involved with criminal activity and get them off the streets. Everybody has the right to live peaceful, productive lives in safe neighborhoods. The second part of the people strategy is making sure that the 99.99% of folks that want to live peacefully and productively have resources to do that, capacity building. And then places is we put more law enforcement resources in those areas where we have the biggest challenges from a public safety standpoint. And our data shows us where that is. The other part of places, of course, is to put community resources in those uh, neighborhoods so that folks have a positive pathway forward. When you say community resources, what do you mean? Community centers. Uh, are we programming properly? Uh, do we have the right out-of-school time activities going on? Do we have mentors available for uh, different programs like Pivot to Peace or Reimage, uh, so that kids, if they have been, let's say, justice involved or they're looking for leadership in their life, there's somebody there to provide it. You know, some folks will say, you know, look, uh, uh, that's the role of a family. I agree if you've got a really positive and productive family unit, but the reality is a lot of kids don't all over the city. So it's up to the rest of us to pick up the slack because we're all interconnected. All of our kids go to school together. It's our future workforce, and I think it's just the right thing to do as a human being. I know that uh, the data for the full year is still being tallied, but what's your best sense of where we are now in terms of crime reduction? When you take a look at the broad categories where crime is down in every category except one, which is aggravated assault, uh, the uh, crime that gets the most attention from the media, obviously, is homicides. Uh, we're not at a point where we need to be at all. Over the last three years, our homicides have increased in the city. Uh, we will not be at what last year's level is, but that's not a victory. Uh, one homicide is one too many. Uh, the reality is that most of the homicides are happening in the city involve drugs and guns and gangs, and interrupting that type of lifestyle is a big part of our violence reduction plan. I I'm very proud of LMPD. 
uh, from top to bottom in the organization. They're very focused on their violence reduction and crime reduction plans. Our citizens work well with them as well. So the key is let's just keep working together, let's keep focused, and let's make our city one of the safest cities in the country. So let's look at 2018. What are some of the things that you're looking forward to the most about the coming year? Well, we've got so many of our investments coming to fruition in 2018. When you think of that $12.5 billion of investment that's taking place in the city right now. So a couple of really big things uh, will be taking place uh, downtown, which is kind of our biggest business park, if you will. 70,000 people work downtown every day. Uh, the convention center expansion is opening in August. Uh, that's partly what's fueled the 25 hotels, and along with bourbonism. A super big project, the Omni project, will be opening. 600-room hotel, 250 apartments, a bunch of our multi unit residential activity will be opening downtown as well. So Louisville's downtown is a hot place to be right now in terms of energy and investment. And then as you go out into our surrounding neighborhoods, uh, one project in particular we've been working on for a long time is the Dixie Highway uh, Renaissance. Our bus rapid transit system uh, will come into place in 2018. Uh, We'll have libraries expansions taking place uh, throughout the city as well. So there's going to be an awful lot going on in 2018. And then our whole bourbonism year-round tourist experience is really proved to be tremendously successful. Uh, This was a concept that we co-created, and now to see tourists coming in from all over the world uh, is really putting an extra bump to our economy. All right. Anything else? Anything else you'd like to share with us as we head into 2018? We've all put a lot of work in over the last seven years coming out of the recession building a great plan, involving folks from throughout the city, all parts of the city, and we're going to see a lot of that hard work come to fruition in 2018. I think that's then going to set a new platform for additional investment in the city, Uh, not folks just here from Louisville, but from all around the world. And my dream is that that keeps going, and then everybody in our city feels like they're part of this momentum. All right. Mayor, thanks very much. Okay. I appreciate the opportunity to serve. All right. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you guys. This is the Mary Greg Fisher Podcast. Our producer is Joe Lord. You can subscribe to the podcast, which we heartily endorse, through Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can keep up with Mayor Fisher, who's in constant motion, on social media, through Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. We will see you in 2018 with more on the Mayor Greg Fisher Podcast. Happy New Year.